Thanks for joining us on this week's Real Life Church Podcast. We'd love to know if God is using this ministry to bless you in some way. And if you'd like to share your story or know more about getting involved at Real Life Church, you can visit us on our website at livereallife.com today. Uh, We're in the middle of this series called What Matters. And uh, today we're going to tackle a subject um, called community. I believe community matters. And we're going to look at what this looks like. And I just feel like the Lord's given me some fun stuff to share this morning. I do want, as we kick off this message, to share, um, you know, we have small groups here. And uh, small groups are not a program we do. It's the life of our church. We actually have 115 individuals that are involved in small groups right here at Real Life Church. Come on, somebody. That's a big deal. People's getting connected. And uh, if you're not in a group, we're getting ready to kick them off at the beginning of the year. But our marriage group, they just, uh, they're a rowdy bunch, man. And they, 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 they get together and, and it's just, a, it's one of our, it's, it's a great group to be a part of. And uh, they did some things and I thought was very important. Uh, being connected is important because it has to do with mission. But our marriage group, uh, I wanted to just, just highlight a couple things they did. They served a nonprofit called Planting Seeds, and they delivered furniture to people that are in need. They also uh, delivered home goods to four families. Uh, they had assisted uh, uh, one of our very own church members uh, just to help move out uh, her mom's, uh, their mom's, uh, uh, her ill mom's belongings from their home. Uh, they did a they they fundraised and gave to provide a playpen and diapers to the Embrace Grace mommies and one member of that group is going to be water baptized next time we go. Come on, somebody! And so this is them at planting seeds. They're 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 being uh, just salt and light in the earth. And so community matters. That picture right there matters. It, it it talks about just looking at that and and the smiles and the and the and just the 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 servant's heart and just being able to be a blessing to others. But community matters. Um, there was a TED talk done uh, called "The Power of Vulnerability." And uh, Brene Brown studies human connection, and it's really uh, talking about our ability to empathize with and belong and love uh, when it comes to our relationships. And they did a six-year uh, study of research of what is the core need of every person and that what, what, what we all share in common in this room. And after six years of research, they determined that neurobiologically, that all of us, we are neurobiologically wired for connection. All of us within our brain are wired for connection, and the, consist- the consensus, consensus is, is that we are all created to belong. That all of us in this room have something in common, and, but what happens is, is shame comes in, and shame convinces us that we don't belong. We do things in our life and we mess up and we make mistakes or, or even, or we're just busy, right? We're just too busy to belong or to connect in community. But listen, shame when it comes is understood as the, the fear of disconnection. So whenever somebody experiences fear or shame, there's a fear that immediately hits them of disconnect. And I'm going to prove this to you this morning. They, they say things like this, if there's something about me that if other people know it or see it, I won't be worthy of belonging. This is all through the research, and, and really the greatest fear in the world is that we are not going to belong. 
that we are not going to connect, be cared for. And really the word belong means this. It's an awareness of being wanted, cared for, and accepted. And when it comes to church and when it comes to being a church that has a desire to reach those that are far from God, community is going to matter. It currently matters and it will matter. Because we are a church that has a mission of where we want to reach those that are far from God, that they would become fully engaged followers of Jesus, and that our culture, listen, has to increase in a way to where people feel they can belong before they believe. I said something there that you have to catch. We have to allow people that don't believe like us to belong before they believe. Before they can get into revelation, knowledge, and of the word of God, listen, relationship and connection and belonging happens long before the transference of knowledge. So we have to understand today that if we're going to be a church that's going to reach those far from God, we cannot put ourselves nor our church into a situation that where we have a stigma and a dogma about ourselves that we are internal and this is what we do. It's just our four and no more. And as long as I feel like I belong, I'm good. It's much bigger than that. See, I, I liken this idea to coming to church as somebody that's never went to church. You know, back in the day, I didn't grow up in church. And I remember my first encounter with church. My first encounter with church was weird. I was nervous, I was scared, I was also in a lot of bondage, so that didn't help. And I remember I was, I was about 17 years old when I first went to church, 16 years old. And I went to church for the first time, and, and kind of like today, it was a little wild back then. Uh, folks would run and, and yell and just get out of control with themselves. And, uh, and so... But for me, as a lost person, I'm like, you're cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. I'm like, you're running around here with this emotional tantrum going on, and I don't understand what you're doing. So if it immediately, if we're not careful, becomes a barrier for somebody that needs to belong before they believe it can become a barrier. Your religious experience of old does not fit when it comes to reaching people that are far from God. Oh, it's like going to China. Never been. Anybody ever been to China? One person been to China. How many know if all of us hop in the car today and go to the airport? You thought I was going to say drive to China, didn't you? <laughs> we go to the airport, we get in the airplane, we go to China, and we get off in, in China. How many know they speak a different language than we do? How many know we have English and they have Chinese and, and talk very fast too? And how many know if you don't know the language when you get off of the, 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 the airport in China and everybody's talking Chinese, how many know you just want to know where the baño is? But that's Spanish, praise the Lord. <laughs> You're trying, right? You're trying baño. <laughs> They're like, me no understand you, bro. <laughs> That was kind of, I don't know what that was either. That was kind of like, I was kind of like, anyway. Uh, but the point is this, is that it creates a panic. It can create a confusion. It can create a misunderstanding. How many know that if you're in China and there's two Chinese people looking at you and they're talking, talking to each other and they just kind of glance at you and they just start talking? How many of you both know we would all think that they're talking about us? 
right? And they talk in a language we don't understand. I'm going to liken this to church world, and it's this, Christianese. Christianese is church language that people that are far from God don't understand. Like we get our hallelujahs, ah, come on somebody, and we get, we, get our, we get our praise them and our hallelujahs, and we say stuff we don't even know what we're saying. We've just been trained. Oh, I know I'm stepping on some foots today. But if we're going to reach people that are far from God, a, re- a relationship with God, I'm not, I'm not saying that you dumb down your relationship with God. What I am saying, though, is this, is that we have to have a perspective that there are people that are going to walk through the doors that do not believe, and we must create an environment where they belong before they believe. In other words, we have to lay down our preferences to reach people that are far from God. So it, it, it would be that way. There would be, there would be language. There would be, there would be, so uh, back in the day, there's a lovely lady. She's been uh, battling some, some spinal things. Her name's Melissa, and uh, she serves on our production team. Her and her husband, Mike, Mike helps with set up, makes the coffee. Love Mike, man. He makes that good, dark, thick oil coffee. That's my favorite. And, uh, you know, when it goes down and before it even gets down, you're already buzzing. You know what I'm saying? One of them kind of coffees. And, uh, but anyway, Melissa, in her testimony, she ended up discovering our church through our website. And there was a phrase that stuck out to her when she heard about our church, and it was this that we are a church for people who don't do church. She, she, was, she was not a part of a church. She was not anywhere close to being in a church. And she read this statement. A friend had, had told her about our church. And she read that statement, people who don't do church. And immediately she felt within herself that she could belong to a place before she believed what the scripture said per se, that she could belong to a place with that mentality. That we're not doing church, we are the church. And so all of a sudden something uh, attracted her to our church and she come, now she's fully involved, right? So what, what am I trying to communicate? Is that community matters and we have to get rid of barriers that allow people to take their first step of simply belonging. That we have to allow people to belong. You know, when you come to church, uh, you know, when I went, it was like, okay, language and worship, and why is this man yelling at me every Sunday? That would be me. They come, there's a misunderstanding of friendliness, they, we talk about money, there's confusion, they don't understand it, you're used to it. They're not. What am I trying to prep you for? Where we're going? What am I trying to communicate to you is that we're creating an environment for people that can connect in community before they believe what the scripture says per se. Now, what we have to also understand is that that, that they feel out of place. When I went to that first church service and everybody was doing their thing and doing their Christian calisthenics, hey, come on somebody. We did that all weekend at youth camp and I'm like, for the love of God. Can we do it anymore? And they would get you all hyped. You'd be, you'd be, and there was a song that I just didn't understand that kept talking about girding up your legs. And I'm like, what are we girding our legs for? What does that even mean? I've heard gird your loins, but I've not heard gird your legs. But then we jumped for nine hours. And I was like, Lord, send the girdle, whatever it is. <laughs> Praise him. <laughs> 
<laughs> the point is, is sometimes people that are far from God don't understand. I didn't understand. Why are we girding? What does that mean? And I've been saved for a long time. We don't want to create a stumbling block for people. We want them to be able to step into community before they believe. And they'll start here. And they'll come with all of the baggage and the questions and the wondering and feeling like they need to find a place to belong. Because the process of belonging is really simple. People belong before they believe and before they can change their behavior, they have to feel like they belong. See, to belong, to believe, and to behave is the process of belonging. And in the church world today, we want people, our church, we want our church to allow people to belong. We want them to behave differently. We want them to believe. But in the church world today, we want them to believe first, right? We still, we want them, okay, you believe first, and then you can behave differently, then you can be a part. We got to flip that. It has to be, you're allowed to belong then you're gonna to begin to believe, and then you're gonna behave differently. Why, because it's easier. It's easier for us to say, we want you to believe, then you can behave, then you can belong. Why, because we don't have to figure anything out. It's up to them to figure it out. It's up to, it's up to them to figure out what they believe. There's an old saying that says, I don't care how much you know until I know how much you care. Robin Williams, the famous actor, put it this way, I used to think the worst thing in life was to end up all alone. It's not. The worst thing in life is to end up with people that make you feel alone. And he took his life. What would happen if we truly knew we belonged and that we were loved in spite of everything we've ever done? What if we realize that we were created to belong to the church for sure, but it's, it's, it's important uh, as that he created us with this need to belong. That, that people today want to belong to something. Where did, this, where did this start? Genesis 3, verses 7 through 10 says it this way. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. This is what happened after the fall. They had, they had bought into the lie of the enemy. They had taken of the fruit, the thing which God forbidden of, and all of a sudden sin hit the planet, and both of their eyes were open. It says, and immediately they realized they were naked, and they began to sew fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Phew. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Soon Adam and Eve, in this moment, they ate the fruit and felt like they didn't belong anymore. They hid themselves in their shame, not knowing how to articulate the shame, and all they had was each other. They didn't realize that they could go to God for, 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 for freedom. They didn't have anybody else to go to, and they began to sow these fig leaves and realize through shame, and they started to hide themselves because of shame. But listen to me. The beautiful part of this story that is in the middle of Adam and Eve's shame, the Bible says that God walked in the garden in the cool of the day. As they hid themselves... God was still willing to walk in the middle 
of their shame. They felt not only that they didn't belong there, but they didn't belong to God or each other either. They lived in this place of constantly, see, sin or brokenness gives us a sense of not belonging. Listen, God did nothing ever to Adam and Eve that would make them feel afraid, yet they were afraid. That's what shame does. That's what sin does. That's what brokenness does. It creates a separation, and, it, and we feel like we don't belong. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he's a great revivalist, he said this, sin demands to have a man by himself. It withdraws him from the community. The more isolated a person is, the more attractive will be the power of sin over him. And the more deeply he becomes involved in it, the more disastrous is his isolation. Notice what it says. Sin demands to have a man by himself because he understands that community matters. It withdraws him from the community and it isolates him and the more attractive will the power of sin be over him. Community matters to God. Community should matter to us. Listen, community matters to God like isolation matters to the enemy. Community matters to God like isolation matters to the enemy, and the church is God's plan for the day. But attending and belonging are two different things. Being in community and attending church are two different things. We still live in a level of isolation. So what is God's plan for you? You were made to belong. Listen, our God-given identity and purpose can be directly, listen, related to the degree to which we choose to belong to the community of faith. Our God-given identity and purpose can be directly related to the, to the degree which we choose to belong to the community of faith. So we have those that have to make a choice to belong to the community of faith. We have those that are coming in from the outside that are coming in and there's this, we have to have a spirit of belonging when these folks come, when folks come through the door. There's two sides to this. So we have to understand, maybe you're in the room today, you're like, Pastor, I've been coming a long time and I don't feel like I belong. Notice what it says. You, your identity and purpose can be directly related to the degree to which you choose to belong has nothing to do with me, has nothing to do with our leaders, has nothing to do with me taking you and saying, hey, get involved, get, belong, get into community. No, this is a choice you make. I'm going to read out of John chapter 11, and I'm going to give you just a couple points of why community matters. John chapter 11, I'm going to skip Ephesians 4. I'm going to go to John 11 verse 1. We're going to talk about a dead man. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who... Uh, uh, later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus is sick, will not be unto death. Now this is great. Can you imagine having a friend like this? They call and say, hey man, he's sick. And, and Jesus just said, you know what? He ain't gonna die, he's good. He's all right. And, and then it says, and he says, uh, Lazarus will, uh, he says, uh, your friend is very sick, but when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not be unto death. 
Now it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive his glory from this. So in, uh, although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, listen to what he says. Okay, Lazarus is sick. Jesus says, hang on, die. He's good. Then he says this. He stayed where he was for the next two days. Now, what a friend in Jesus. Jesus decides he's going to stay in his location for two more days. Knowing his friend is sick, and listen, Lazarus dies. The rest of the story is Lazarus dies. Now, Jesus is like, oh, it's good. Uh, Lazarus' sickness will will not end in death. Now, can you imagine being Mary and Martha? You told us that he would not die, yet he's dead. See, I really feel like in this moment when you think about Mary and Martha and you think about Jesus and you think about this this time with Lazarus, that at the end of this story, we all know what happens. If you, You may not know, but if you don't know, Jesus comes to the tomb and Lazarus has been sick for, or he's been dead for four days. And in culture, three days, your spirit hangs out. On the fourth day, you depart and go wherever you're going. That's what they believed. So Jesus decides, I'm not going to come on the third day so everybody believes that, okay, because they're thinking, okay, if he can get here in three days, his spirit's close. And all he has to do is say, Lazarus, come forth. But no, Jesus decides to wait the, wait the day after, which is four days later, and, and say, okay, I'm going to wait till everybody thinks his spirit's gone and this is an impossible situation. So they stick Lazarus in the tomb. And the Bible in the one version says that he stinketh. He's been in there for four days, and he smells. Jesus comes to Mary and Martha. He's like, sorry, guys, I was over there in, you know, I was over in Judea just chilling, having, you know, manicotti, you know, just like, he was just, that's who he was. And he's just like, what's up? And they were like, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. Jesus like, chill out, woman. I got this. He walks over to the edge of the tomb, and he just speaks to the tomb. There's a stone in front of it, too, by the way. He speaks to the tomb and says, Lazarus, come forth. All of a sudden, Lazarus, the Bible says, comes bound hand and foot. He's got, he's got grave clothes on. He's mummified, right? Because they know he's dead. So here he comes. He shoots out of this tomb. He, the, 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 the theologians tell us that it wasn't like he waddled out. He wasn't like, what's up? No, he shot out. Jesus was like, Lazarus, come forth. I'm here. I mean, that's what it was like. However, he still had grave clothes on. Here's what I want you to understand about Community. Jesus can resurrect you, but Jesus looked at Mary and Martha and said, you take the grave clothes off. In other words, Jesus can cause us to go from death to life, but community brings transformation. It takes people to get the grave clothes off of you. You mean God's not going to deal with all my grave clothes? Absolutely not. He wants you to get involved in community. Because you need a brother or sister that will sit across the table from you and take that grave clothes that you've been hanging on to for 25 years and tell you the truth. You need somebody that can unwind you, and this is exactly what happened in this situation. So why does community matter? Number one, you need someone to know you're falling asleep. You need somebody to know that you're falling asleep. John 11, 11 says, then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But now I will go and wake him. There's a great story in Acts chapter 20, verse 7 through 9. It says, in the first day of the week when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul began talking to them, intending to leave the next day. And he prolonged his message until midnight. Can you imagine? 
If you don't read the Bible, you need to really need a Bible. Paul, Paul was, he was bringing it. He was like, you know what? We're starting in the morning. We're going to end at midnight. Like he's preaching all day long. It says, and there were many lamps in the upper room where we were gathered together. And there was a young man named Eutychus sitting on the windowsill. Sinking into a deep sleep as Paul kept on talking. He was overcome by sleep and fell down from the third floor and was picked up dead. Eutychus. There he was sitting on the windowsill back there. They're up on the third floor, and Paul's bringing it, man. He's like, resurrection, and I was in prison, and like nine hours, Paul was just getting it. And Eutychus is like, some of you I see on Sunday, you're like starting to do one of these, bad boy. He's like, do one of them? But he's sitting on the windowsill. (laughs) You're laughing because you know it's true. I've been there, man. I've seen, I've been, look, I try to be a dignified sleeper in some things. Some church services, I'll sit there with my eyes like, praying. But I have a neck problem sometimes because my head likes to, you know, like, oh. But here he is, Eutychus is in the window and Paul's preaching and he falls asleep and he falls out onto the ground. Listen, Eutychus made two mistakes in this moment. First off, he shouldn't have been hanging out in an exit. But here's what's funny about that is that's what some of you are. You're half in, you're not fully in. See, he wasn't fully in in the moment. He was hanging out. He was at an exit window, listening from the distance of, "Mm, I don't know about all this. And he he was half in. He wasn't fully in. He wasn't in community. He was sitting on the windowsill checking everybody else out on the outside. I'm going to check everybody out. Well, guess what happened to the guy that was checking everybody out? He fell asleep and fell down on the dead. He dead. He fell down. He dead. He gone. Eutychus. Then the second thing that happened was he should, he should have had someone close enough to wake him up. Hit your neighbor like that one time. Come and give him one of these. Hit your other neighbor, which was your second choice, and hit them. You need somebody by you that knows you're falling asleep. You cannot have people around you that just patty cake with you and tell you what you want to hear. They need to say, hey, man, you're sleeping at the wheel. This is what's going on right now. You don't even see what's happening. Wake up and smell the coffee, man. If not, you're going to fall out like Eutychus. Acts 20.10 says, but Paul went down, fell upon him. After embracing him, he said, do not be troubled for this life is in him. So Paul goes down and resurrects the cat. I don't want to do that for you. I don't want to jump on you like Paul did, full whale splash, boom, and resurrect you. I would rather you just be close to somebody in your life to where you don't fall spiritually asleep anymore. To where you're able to live your life where you're not spiritually asleep and you got people that's able to nudge you and say, hey baby, wake up. Hey man, why are you treating your wife like that? Come on somebody. Why are you acting that way? Why are you doing certain things? I ain't seen you at prayer for a while. How's your Bible study going? How are you reading? How's that, how's that happening? Right? This guy right here on the front row. I wasn't planning on this. This is Kyle. He's my friend. He calls me every Wednesday. And this is what he says. It's hump day! <laughs> I don't get any other phone calls. Kyle, on Wednesday. Through the week. Nobody else calls and says, hey, how you doing, man? Are you sleeping at the wheel? How's your family? How's your week? Kyle calls me every Wednesday. I can count on it. And if I don't answer, he leaves me like a three and a half minute voicemail. It's hump day. How's everything going? Like, what? But I know that he's watching 
whether his pastor falls asleep and falls out the window. But how many know that's vice versa? I'm watching to see if Kyle's hanging out the window. I'm, I'm asking Kyle questions as well, right? Because community matters, right, bro? I look forward to that Wednesday call. It's an encouragement to me every week, bro. We need people that know when we're falling asleep. Number two is you need someone to have you on their prayer list. That's what community does. It, 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 somebody needs to be, I need, please put me on your prayer list. Acts, or John chapter 11, verse 20, 22 says, Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming and went to him, but Mary stayed at the house, Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been there, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. She put, she put Lazarus on Jesus' prayer list. Whose prayer list are you on? Who's on your prayer list? Who are you praying for every day? Who are you seeking God for? Come on, somebody. Who, who, who are you in community with that has you on their prayer list? The Bible says in James chapter 5, verse 16, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Why does community matter? It's because we're all going to go through some stuff. And we need to know that, we got, that, that our name is on somebody's prayer list. We need to know, and other people need to know that their name's on our prayer list. Why? Because we're going to go through some stuff, and community matters because God brings breakthrough. And as we pray for one another, and we seek God for one another, and we ask how you're doing, and we, we begin to pray, and, and we begin to seek God, God brings breakthrough. This whole isolation thing, division, that stuff is of the enemy. God wants us connected in community. He wants us praying for each other. He wants us seeking God for each other. He wants, he, wa he wants you seeking God for somebody else. So you need to be, if community matters, you need someone to have you on their prayer list. Third thing is this, you need someone to help you get delivered. That's what friends do. That's what community does. Listen, John eleven thirty eight 38 says, Jesus therefore again groaning in himself comes to the grave. It was a cave and a stone laid upon it. Lazarus was dead for four days. Again, custom says that your spirit leaves after day three. In other words, in this moment, you have to understand what Jesus is trying to communicate to us is that community matters because we were not meant to face the impossible alone. This is the story of Lazarus. Therefore, again, groaning in himself comes to the grave. He was coming to set Lazarus free. It was because there were some ladies that put Lazarus on his prayer list. And Jesus showed up in this moment to bring deliverance. Listen, you go to God for forgiveness, you go to people for healing. You go to God for forgiveness, but you go to people to, to bring healing and transformation in your life. 1 John 5, 8 says, be sober and be diligent because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You ever seen that gazelle not in the pack? What a lion does to that little gazelle and everybody's like, oh, look at the little gazelle. It's not in the pack. And the lion's like, I wish that gazelle would get out of the pack because I'm finna eat some lunch. Some lunch. And he goes after the gazelle. He goes after the one that's just wondering. I believe that we can cut down on spiritual attacks in our life if we would begin to link arms with somebody. 
If we begin to get around somebody that's in community with us, that we can call, that we can have pray for us, that we can have love us and do the same in return. We need somebody to help us get delivered. Listen, oftentimes the whisper of a kitty cat turns into the roar of a lion inside the cave of isolation. When you're by yourself, and you're in isolation, just the whisper of the enemy can sound like a roaring lion. You can be resurrected but not delivered, folks. You can come out of the grave but not be delivered. It was God who resurrected Lazarus from the dead, but it was people who delivered him from the grave clothes. And finally, why community matters is you need to be that someone. Not only just hear the three points, but be, be that person. You need to be that someone in someone's life. Well, I'm just so busy. I'm running the kids here and I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And I got a schedule and I got blah, 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 blah. Look at your neighbor and say, everybody's busy. Everybody's busy. Your schedule is busy because of your choices. Well, I don't have time for that. Listen to me. That is, self, that is such a selfish statement. You don't have time for one of God's kids. You don't have time just to pick up the phone. You have time just to send a text. You have time to send a snail mail card, which I love those. You, you, you don't have time just to have coffee with somebody. Just to build community within your life. You need to be that someone. Listen, the first, first Peter 5, 8, be sober and be vigilant. He's telling us how we should behave. It literally means to stay awake, to be vigilant, to be res responsible, to be watchful. It means to stay awake. It means don't go to sleep. It means to stay awake. Mark 14 says it this way, and he was saying, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. He was praying, listen, and he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, are you asleep? Could you not watch with me for just one hour? He goes to the book of Revelation. He begins to talk about those that are sleeping. If you go down to Romans chapter 13, he begins to talk about the, the commandments of God. He says, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. And if there's any commandment or else summed up in this, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this. Listen to what he says. And do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. What do he say? Be the person. He says, he says, come alive and be awake in the hour in which you're living in because community matters. Maybe you're in this room today and you say, Pastor, that's a whole lot of stuff right there. Let's back up to the beginning. 
Let's talk about belonging for just a minute. I want to close with this story in Luke chapter 15. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's about a son that came to his dad and said, give me all my inheritance. And back then, when you ask for your inheritance, it says it's basically, is you're as good as dead. Basically, he went to his dad. He said, give me all my inheritance because you don't normally get inheritance until you pass away. And he says to him, I want my inheritance. So he takes his inheritance. He goes and he begins to live a lifestyle in Luke 15 of just wild lifestyle. Just living, living, living in that place of sin. Bible says that he grew, he grew very bad and he ended up in the pig pen. He was eating lentils with the pigs. And that's where he was sad. He was at the lowest point. And he said within himself, I can't go to my father because I'm not worthy. He began to continue to live this lifestyle and finally there came a day where he said, I must return to my father's house. See, in his question as a, as a son in Luke 15, he didn't know if he would belong because of his lifestyle. He didn't know that if his father would receive him or not. So he gets enough courage. Doesn't wipe himself off. It never says he went and took a shower. There he is, smelling like pigs. The Bible says that he starts to make the journey to his dad's house. His dad's sitting on the porch, and every day he goes out waiting for his son to come home. It's a picture of the father saying, no matter where you find yourself at, you belong. Now, the nice thing about God is you come with your mess. He's not going to keep you messy. He's not, he's not going to accept your sin. Sin is sin. It separates you from him. But what he is going to do, it's not just belonging so I can continue in sin. It's belonging so I could be free from sin. So here comes the boy, smelly, messed up, living his life. And the father sees him afar off, and it says the father gets off the porch and runs to his boy. He embraces him in that moment. His son falls down and says, I'm not worthy to be called your son. And his father picks him up off of that moment and as he's smelly and dirty and living this lifestyle and he looks at his boy and he says, no, 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 don't say that. He said, don't say you're not worthy. He said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call, call for the fatted calf. It was the best meat. There was. He said, call for the fatted calf. We're about to have a barbecue. Come on, somebody. So they, they gets the fatted calf, and he says, not only that, put a ring on his finger. Put a ring on his finger, which represents sonship. He said, put shoes on his feet. Why do he put shoes on his feet? Because slaves didn't wear shoes back then. He was no longer a slave. He became a son. He put those sonship shoes on. When he put those on him, they threw a party, and here's what the scripture says. All of heaven rejoices when one comes home. Can I tell you today, what I see in my heart is I see a long line of people that just wanna belong. And as they, belong, as they start to sense that place of belonging, that their father is running after them, that he's gonna, he, as they come home, that he's going to embrace them, and he's, he's gonna rejoice over them and here's what he says. He says, my son once was blind, but now he sees. How many know that's God's heart for every person in this world? That's why community matters. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads this morning. If you're in this place, maybe you feel like that son, you don't feel like you belong. Maybe it's the first step. I want you to know you gotta start with God. 
If you start with God, you start belonging to him first and you understand that you belong to him. Long before you belong to anybody else in this room, you belong to God first. If you're in this place, you say, Pastor, I wanna make Jesus the Lord of my life. I've been running like the boy in Luke 15 and I wanna change my ways. I wanna give my heart to Jesus today and I wanna belong. I, I wanna I I I sense that, that Holy Spirit that will change me today. If you're in this place today, you say, Pastor, that's me. I wanna make that decision to say yes to Christ. I wanna step into the family of God today. Would you do me a favor, just slip up your hand, I wanna pray for you. I'm not gonna call you forward or anything. I just wanna pray for you, say that's me. I wanna make that decision to say yes to Christ. I wanna come home, make him the Lord of my life. Maybe you've walked away from God, stepped away from him. And today you wanna make that decision. Let's all pray this prayer together. Pray this with me, say Heavenly Father, Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me, to raise from the dead for me. I ask you to come into my heart, make me a new creature. Old things pass away and all things become new. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Before you clap, I wanna pray for you, church. Here's why. I wanna pray that the spirit and atmosphere of our church moving forward is filled with community and a space where people in this world, because of sin, feel so shameful that they could never cross the line of belonging into God's family. I wanna pray that the spirit of our church goes to the next level, that we are going to be a place that embraces people no matter what walk of life they're in. You know why we can do that? It's because we all once were. So Father, I pray over our church today, I pray, Lord, that you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would do such a magnificent work in our hearts, that Lord, as we become the person, as we become the, the prayer person, we become uh, the prayer, the, the, the person that has the people on our prayer list and vice versa, and I thank you today, Lord, that Lord, you'll change our perspective and you'll change our heart. That God, there'll be people come through the doors that need an encounter with God, and. Lord, I know that, that, that you'll just continue to create a space where community matters, where people feel like they can belong, that they can be transformed through relationships and, and transformed through the power of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, today I thank you for that. God, I pray as we pray that God, you would just invade every heart in this moment to realize the impact of what you're doing and what you're getting ready to do. So we love you, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, can we praise the Lord, everybody? We love you guys. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. Be sure to connect with us on social media, the RLC app, and online at livereallife.com.